0: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 8 of the NFNL podcast for season 2021. The season, well, we're already past the one-third mark of the Home and Away campaign across the senior men's and women's football competitions and we're into already the opening couple of rounds of the netball season post-grading. So the season, well, we're well and truly in and we're starting to get a much clearer picture as to where everything stands and it's certainly shaping as an exciting I guess middle part of the year, plus also uh, culminating with uh, what 's shaping is already being really interesting finals all across the northern football netball league i 'm Samuel Zito, joined this afternoon by both Jared Gardner and Nicholas Sacco. Nick might start with you, we obviously called the action. In Meadows Greyhounds Division 1 over the weekend, we saw Greensboro come up against North Heidelberg. I think most people thought going in it could be a potential finals preview or perhaps give us a really good indication as to what may happen as we get to the pointy end of the year. But I don't think anyone could have forecast an 88 point margin between the two sides. But Greensboro absolutely dominant after half time and romp to
1: a really impressive victory. I'm still shocked, Samuel. I couldn't believe the final margin in the end, but you're right, an outstanding display from Greensboro. They they really turned it on from the start, and after quarter time, they really got away from North Heidelberg. They just never looked like scoring enough to, to keep themselves in the contest, and that was the main difference in the end for mine because that midfield battle was absolutely superb. We already knew it was going to be a highly anticipated one from both sides, was it was those borough midfielders that were able to win win those clearances and get that ball forward at every single opportunity that gave them all those goals that they ended up getting. So, um, yeah, an outstanding display and um, a disappointing blemish for North Heidelberg.
0: Yeah, so you, I guess the question now is going to be going forward, is it just an aberration for the Bulldogs, or is this the, the signal that maybe the top two sides are perhaps clearly better than the rest we've seen now, Greensboro and West Preston Lakeside, the two grand finalists from 2019—they now sit first and second on the ladder. Massive uh, percentage uh, differential now between uh, Greensboro and North Heidelberg, based on on the weekend's result as well. It, it started uh, as only—I think it was nine percent—going into the game. It's now blown out to um, you know beyond 60. The, 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 I mean, the, the borough really went on with it late, didn't they, Nick? It was yeah. only three goals to one at at half time, and it looked like being a really dour affair, but. That last quarter, once they had uh, the dogs by the neck, they they certainly went on with it eight goals in the last quarter. It was a, a dominant showing, and once again, it was the, the spread of goal kickers, which for Greensboro has been their, their biggest asset, I think, really, soon, under under the Mick Harford era, it has to be said, um, they just had you know multiple goal scorers coming from everywhere, and there's no one avenue you can close down and, and potentially stop their scoring. Once they're in the mood, um, the goals come from you know thick and far.
1: And it was entertaining as well. I know we were excited calling that last quarter despite the result, but you're right, um, they had a lot of players stand up. I like when Nathan Rovat went forward early in the contest because he really had an influence in that area of the ground. You talk about players like Fennell and, and Phelan and, and Zach McCubbin even as well, all getting onto the score sheet, but also doing very well around the ground as well, continuing to get that ball forward at each circumstance. So um, every player played their role for Greensboro, and I know that sounds simple enough, but that's why they've been a premiership contender so for so long, and specifically this year as well. They're really standing up when it counts.
2: And, and on the flip side for North Heidelberg, I think, I think I spoke about it, I think it was after round four, um, and speaking about how you beat North Heidelberg, and you have to stop them scoring. At that point in the season, they'd scored 446 points from their first four games. They've only scored 142 points in their most recent three games. Yeah. So I don't know if I've jinxed them or whatever, but they just haven't been able to put those scores on the board in the last couple of weeks. And they've had have, have had players out. They've had had uh, some of the teams do great defensive jobs on their stars, but giving up they've given up 239 points in in those three games. So. Um, They just need to continue to put those scores on the board. It's what makes them so dangerous.
0: Yeah, well, I think they didn't help themselves on the weekend because if you go back to round one when they had that dominant first quarter against McLeod and their ball movement, the ball didn't hit the ground. It was Mm. just so clinical. It was tap out the ruck and then whether it was Tardio or Harvey getting that ball out and straight hitting up a full forward on the weekend, their ball movement, and it was uncharacteristic, it has to be said. I don't think this is an ongoing concern for them, but just turned it over so much. It was so unlike them and... I mean, they've had seven scoring shots for the day. Their forwards were quiet, but the supply to them was, was pretty ordinary, it has to be said.
1: Well, I feel like the credit has to go to the Greensboro defence as well because they were outstanding in that game in particular. And if you look at who were the best plays for Greensboro that day... Five of the six players actually didn't score a goal. They were your Nick Riddles, they were your Cataldos, they were your Bedfords, Johnstons. And that just says so much about the system that Greensboro have in place and what they want to do defensively. And that's why they're so dominant because we know their midfield's very good and we know their forwards can score when they need to. But the defensive unit has been absolutely outstanding. And that's a long way into why I reckon they're one of the premiership favourites.
0: All right, so we're seven weeks in. Is it uh, an aberration or do we think that that there's a, a, a substantial gap between the top two and the rest?
1: Oh... Uh, difficult to say. I mean, it, it would be easy to, to wipe off North Heidelberg at the moment after a game like that. But at the same time, they're still very talented to come back and, and make a stand. I know Jackson Stavziewicz, and I know it's only one player, but he, him coming back into that team would make a big difference for them as well. Um, I, I don't know. I, I reckon I could answer that, that question clear in about a fortnight's time because that's where I get a bit more of an insight. We've got West Preston this week, so that say, might be the big one. We might know
0: it's in, in in the space of seven days because... Probably no better challenge, really, than coming out of a loss like that. They're a proud side. I'm absolutely certain they'll, they'll bounce back. Um, whether they've got the ability to, to close the gap that in such a short period of time and not going to be helped by the fact that um, one of the key players in Brent Harvey won't be there after suffering a hamstring injury on the weekend as well. So, huge test. They're coming up against the side that's knocked them over in the preliminary final the past two years.
2: Yeah, I think it is an interesting one. I, I'm not ready to write them off just yet because... I think strange things happen when we get to Preston City Oval in August and and through September, so um, I I think as long as they're there in the finals race and and there come the point again, they're they're dangerous and they can beat anybody on any given day, especially when it gets to the clearer conditions of um, late August and early September.
0: Absolutely, and we look at the fact that in the last decade, how many sides finish first and win the flag, doesn't happen too often at all, so if you can get top three, I think that top three is crucial to get that double chance, but... Um, as we know, even if the top two are, you know, at the moment, uh, have a, even if it's a small gap, as long as you can sneak into third, um, I think you're, you're well and truly in the, in the Premiership race. And North Heidelberg for minor, oh, I mean, I think everyone gets a pass at some point in the year where they have an off day. That was theirs. And, and now, obviously, a big game coming up against West Preston Lakeside this weekend. Um For Bandura, I mean, they're still inside the top five only just now. They are uh, clinging in on percentage alone ahead of Montmorency. But their last two weeks, how costly might that be in in the the grand scheme of things? They um, basically lost after the siren against North Heidelberg the week prior. And then at the weekend, lost a game to Hurstbridge, which they were certainly fancied in. Um, it was close all day. The margin never greater than a kick at any of the, the quarter breaks, but they're five points down when the final siren rings. Two two consecutive games have lost by less than a kick in what could be a, a pretty tight run race for for final
1: spots. How costly could that prove to be? Well, that's the problem now for Bundara because I sort of fall back into that, that pack of teams where they're, they're sort of thereabouts um, between fourth and, and sixth. They're all on 16 points and you've got even teams like Hurstbridge and McLean, they might be able to to push themselves out throughout the year. But, yeah, that's the key issue because we were speaking about how well Bandura have started the season. And that's a good credit to them as well because they've been playing some good football. But, you know, losses like that, what does it do for your confidence, your momentum shifts? I mean, they've got a massive clash against McLean, we'll speak which we'll speak about later on. But, I mean you've got to have you've got to feel like those losses would have be be a bit of a factor for
0: yeah you. you hope it doesn't become derailing because all of a sudden you, you kick yourself because you've missed a couple of opportunities I guess you've got to now look forward on it but you win even one of those and all of a sudden you, you top three as, as it currently stands but you drop them both and all of a sudden as you said Nick they're right back in the pack with some ties breathing down their neck. The fact they play McLeod and Montmorency the next two weeks so their fate's certainly in their own hands. You win those two and uh, against, the, against the Roos and the Magpies and all of a sudden you, you're in Pretty clear air again, so it can change pretty quickly, but for them disappointing great win for for Hurst bridge because we were concerned about them going in because their average losing margin against sides that were in the top five was was huge, it was eleven goals, and you know coming up against the Bandura side, which had had an outstanding five weeks you know, going into that game, I think the, the riding was on the wall for the bridges, but it was a milestone game for cam Cloak and they lifted for the occasion, got a really good win and They've got uh, one of the youngsters, or one of the recruits, rather, I should say, Joel Naylor's come across uh, this year. He kicked five at the weekend. He's in great goal-kicking form, and I guess it leads to some, some excitement at the top of the goal-kicking table. He, he kicked five, and Josh Minogue for Heidelberg, he kicked eight. Uh, Ahmed Saad came back into the Roosters' lineup. He kicked four goals. It means there's two goals separating the top five goal-kickers on the Meadows-Greyhounds Division 1 goal-kicking table. That's not including Shane Harvey, who sits a bit further back on 15, having only kicked, I think it's one in the past three weeks. But just uh, aside from looking at the latter as, as, a, as a whole, if you look at the goal-kicking table, what do we think, boys? Is there someone that uh, you see breaking clear from that pack and and taking out the goal-kicking? I know it's early stages, but it's exciting to see such evenness at the top and a lot of goals being kicked, but in particular by Ahmed um, uh, Saad, Sam Lloyd, Joel Naylor, Paddy
2: Fitzgerald, and, and also Josh Monoke. Yeah, I think it's a, a tough one, and I, I can't go past Ahmed Saad yeah. because he's just got the runs on the board. and He's uh, done that in two less games as well, well at the exactly. moment. Exactly, and you look at the West Preston Lakeside team, and, and they probably don't have as many other players up the up top, uh, up near the top of the goal-kicking table, whereas um, John Jorgensen and, and Jesse King are kind of in the range for Bandura, takes away from Sam Lloyd. Um, Bailey Jordan's up there, takes away from Joel Naylor. There's a few Heidelberg players around. Um, Paddy Fitzgerald gets a, gets a can kick a few bags and, and get a few on the board really quickly, but Sard's the one. For yeah. Me. Oh,
1: yeah, he was the only one I feel like would challenge Sard and Paddy Fitzgerald, just purely for the fact that he's probably going to be the target majority of the time. But, yeah, the fact that Saad still is the equal top two list games, oh, I can't see why he yeah, wouldn't I think
0: it's the, I see the runs on the board helps him. You expect Shane Harvey to close that yep. gap pretty quickly as well. Uh, interestingly, on, um, on West Preston Lakeside, I mean, they found a few new avenues to goal without Saad being there. Um, You know, in the the win against Heidelberg, Matty Vincitorio kicked four. Um, Last week, Jalen Thorpe kicked five in in the win at Hearst Bridge. Thorpe went out of the side on the weekend. Saad back, he kicks four. Liam McVay pops up, kicks four as well. So it's as much as sad is that that focal point in that side, and you just know he's he's going to kick his four or five just yep. about every week. For them, it's, it must be uh, you know pretty promising to to see that there's others who are standing up and, and kicking bags of goals as well, um, not relying on on just you know their star forward to to kick the, the winning score. Uh, this weekend is somewhat of a, a potential early finals preview. You've got um, games where we see Greensboro uh, up against. Um, uh, they've, got, they've got Heidelberg, it should be. I've got uh, in my notes there Heidelberg at uh, Greensboro Memorial Park and then it's North Heidelberg at home to West Preston Lakeside. We also see McLeod and Bundura meet in what's potentially an early elimination final for, for McLeod. But but just first to those top four sides all playing off against each other, I guess we asked the question from the top, is the top two breaking away from the pack? Well, this weekend might give us the answer to that given that they actually all square off against one another. Yeah,
2: it's an exciting round of football coming up and um, you, yeah, you just have to look at those those top games and um, Greensboro against Heidelberg I think is a massive one because Heidelberg have been up and down throughout the season. They obviously started off in great form and then kind of pegged back a little bit in the last couple of weeks but um, the, the biggest test of all coming up against Greensboro this weekend, so I think that's a great one to see, and obviously West Preston Lakeside, North Heidelberg, when they can, both teams can put on the show whenever they want, so that'll be an exciting matchup. Yeah,
0: absolutely, and and given, because of what happened last week as well, um, I think that North's looking to respond, West Preston Lakeside, well, we know how hard they are to beat, they've lost, I think it's, well, you you go back to 2019, from round 12, um, 2019 to yeah, you know, where we stand now, and, and they've had they had the loss to to Mont in the stretch home back in 2019, and then it's a one point loss this year. I mean, they're just so, it's such a hard side to to beat, even on on their days when they're not at their absolute best. So that's a big one, and I guess for McLeod now, um, we've seen Montmorency being able to to turn things around after a couple of losses, and they're now on you know ahead of the ledger four and four and three. But can McLeod now do that, given the fact that? Yeah, you have such a slow start at Norton 4 You're always going to be on the back foot. They're at 2-5 and five after the weekend's loss against West Preston Lakeside. Well, they actually started quite well, kicked three of the first five goals, conceded six goals in a row before half time, And then uh, after the main break, they hung in there for, for the third quarter but, but couldn't uh, close the gap in the last. It actually extended out the other way. But now they play Bundura at home at DeWinton Park. You, you, you can't help but feel that's a... An elimination final because if they drop it, they're two and six, yeah. and probably three games outside the top five. Albeit with time to catch up, but you know sooner or later that gap becomes too great. It's it's a massive test for for the roos, and and it's just a game they simply have to win this week.
1: Yeah, and I mean, look, there's still eleven games left in the season. We we can always talk about West Preston as a comparison, starting zero and six, and, and going on to win the flag. I feel like this is very different in a lot of circumstances. The four, those four games that McLeod sort of lost at the start of the season, the there were uh, factors in each of those that you feel like you know that could have improved upon, um, but at the same time it, we just weren't really sure where McLeod were at, and we didn't know whether to use those those games as a ledger, but now coming up against a Bandura side that have lost their last two games. would be down on a bit of confidence. You're at your home track. Um, this is the game they have to win if they want to try and spur that finals campaign yeah. back.
0: form hasn't been that bad, but now it's, you know, close losses aren't going to help them from here. They've got to just got to get wins on, on the board. And um, just look at the other results from the weekend. Heidelberg, massive winner against Northcote Park, which for the Cougars, their most disappointing loss. They got some players back in. They'd been undermanned throughout the first six weeks, got players back, and ended up having their biggest loss for the year. Um, Um, by 97 points and for Montmorency, that was a really good win out at at Whittlesea it was a danger game their captain Jesse Donaldson the laid out and and they were comfortable in in their win as well so they're now knocking on the door and if if they win this week every chance of, uh, of going inside the top five for uh, I think it would be the first time since round one, if, if I'm correct, uh, but certainly in, a, in at least a month. Uh, looking at uh, the action in MC Labour Division 2, Diamond Creek just keeps going about business uh, with a minimum of fuss, and they're doing it really nicely under new coach Andrew Tranquilli. They uh, had a, a really good win over St. Mary's that weekend. I know they had a, a great win against Thomastown a couple of weeks ago, but the win against St. Mary's, the borough have been in, in really good form, have troubled some of the better sides as well in, in losses and Diamond Creek did it easily they got Jacob Booth back in the side for his first game he spent um, time playing VFL footy to, to start this campaign but it was a, a dominant victory and, and given what was potentially at stake um, this one keeps their top three hopes well and truly on, on, on track but it's uh, as good a win as they've had since probably you know the 2017 prelim when they knocked over Lowell Plenty, but Really have to like the way that Diamond Creek's going about business in 2021.
1: Yeah, well, it was a good response from Diamond Creek coming off their loss against Banuel uh, last week, and we didn't really know what to expect from them coming into this one. You were right. St. Mary's in some great form, and it was just more about seeing what the Creekers can produce because, you know, the last couple of seasons they just haven't got there in terms of the other teams in the competition, so I was impressed to see the response they did have against St Mary's and again, some of those players standing up and and being great, you know, you spoke about Booth and how important he was, but just other players like, you know, Marchbank as well Well, as a particular one. He's in
0: dominant for Marchbank as well and and can probably sometimes get overlooked because you've got some dominant players in that that, uh, second division competition and and maybe we don't hold his name up in in lights as as much as we But you get so much of the action going from the middle of the ground. Yep. Defensively, they, mean, they held up superbly. Only conceded the four goals. You look at their their defence throughout the, the opening part of the year, it's always hard to, to see our sides stack up because you've seen, you know, they've played seven games, others have played eight. But when you look at the, at the numbers, it's, it's 344 points is all they've coughed up in the opening seven rounds of the year. I mean, you break that down, that's less than 50 points a game. That, yeah. I mean, that's, that's good enough to be contending with, with the best of sides. And we saw even Banuel had issues scoring against them for parts of the, the game the week before. They they scored in spurts as, as such. So I think everything Diamond Creek's doing at the moment, that they're, they're tracking really, really well. At five and two, they can make a real uh, real charge on this season.
2: Yeah, and it looks like even when or even on the weekend, when St. Mary's were able to get the ball forward, the, the shots seeming look, look to be pressured because four goals, nine on the day. Like, even if you're getting 13 shots, you're only kicking four goals, it's yeah. um, it's, it's great defensively by Diamond Creek, and and just um, yeah, they have gone a little bit under the radar in my books this season. Another
0: p- potentially a player that's going under the radar, um, and and we talked about maybe Diamond Creek as a whole not getting the the, the I guess just rewards that they deserve or all, all the uh, accolades, but. Josh Turner for Lowell Plenty. Now, we haven't released the, uh, the coaches' votes online, but happy to say that he's polled nine votes again in the weekend's win over Fitzroy Stars. That's 29 of a possible 30 votes over the last three weeks because of the likes over the years they've had you know, Paddy Flynn and now the Tom Keyses and the Darcy Bardens of yeah. uh, of the side, this, this is he one that deserves to get more attention? I know he's a best and fairest winner, played footy with Northern Knights and, and been on VFL lists as well, but that's an outstanding effort and uh, given they'll be the part of the radio game this week in their game against Altham, we'll get a, a, closer, a closer look at him as well, but remarkable effort to to be polling 29 of a possible 30 votes over three weeks and one of the r- real driving forces is to, to what Lowell Plenty sits second on the ladder with a 6-1 and one record after seven rounds.
2: Yeah, and you just look at even the start of the season, it's not just the last three weeks. He's had uh, kicked four goals to start the season off against Epping and has had a few good performances even before the last three weeks. So um, just in some great form and I'm really excited to see him on Saturday afternoon against Altham.
0: Yeah, well, it's it's going to be a really strong midfield battle, isn't it? There when uh, you see him going up against the likes of uh, you know Woods and and also McCaffrey. I mean, Tom Keys. It's hard to even know what to classify him as anymore. Is he yeah. a forward? Is he a midfielder? You look at the the leading goal scorers, and he's actually topping the goal kicking now after uh, his efforts at the weekend. So um, I guess it's the real beauty of the the little plenty lineup. They have got so many versatile players through there. But uh, yeah, that that's shaping as an absolute cracker. But certainly thought. Uh, you know, Josh Turner was one who deserved to get some, some accolades. We talked about a potential finals preview in Meadows Greyhounds Division 1. It's, it's similar in MC Labor Division 2. When you look at this weekend's games, Banyul is at home to Thomastown. The, the clash of the Bears, so to speak, both impressive winners at the weekend. Banyul in particular. I mean, they piled on the goals in, in that win against an undermanned Panton Hill. We know it's a small ground, but 31 goals, 12 is a remarkable scoreline. 12 unanswered goals in the opening quarter. So they... Uh, they've been ruthless so far this year. They're deserving of their, their top spot on the table, undefeated, a percentage of 211. So firing on all cylinders. They come up against a Thomas downside, side, which they've played some great games against in, in recent years, particularly at Main, uh, at uh, Beverly Road Oval, I should say, which is where this week's games being played. I know we caught a game a few years ago when oh, Devin yes. McDonald kicked the goal on the final that. siren to win. There was, a, I think, the year prior Thomastown might have been up by four goals in the last quarter, and, and Banyul overran them that day as well. So, uh, they've produced good games at this venue. Um, Thomastown, you know, they've, they've got things going again in the last two weeks. Yes, they've lost players, but at the weekend, it was good to see Josh Bear come back into the lineup, uh, James Rotoldio as well, and, and Michael Tang uh, playing deep forward, kicked four goals. So, they're better players. Uh, uh, they've got some really good ones in, in good form. So, A real test for Banyul against the Thomastown side, which has matched up well against them in in recent times. And then, um, you know, the other game, as we mentioned, we talk about with Lowell Plenty up against Altham, which will be the second time they actually meet this year. Lowell Plenty won the game over the Anzac Day weekend by a kick. Of course, they won the grand final by a kick. Um, So they've produced a couple of absolute classics in recent times as well. Um, yeah, it's shaping as a, a really exciting weekend of footy in, in MC Labor Division two.
1: It definitely is and also a defining one as well, I feel like. I know we have just said we're a third of the way into the season so far, but getting these wins at this time of the season could be really pivotal for some of these guys premiership um, contenders, contenders. Um, you know, Banyu is one I know they've been really good so far, but you know, you don't really want to drop one this early and you know there's a bit of question marks around them. Alpham's also the other one. We know they've had a lot of players coming in and out of the team, a few injuries for them as well, and they're sort of just on that pack there to fourth spot at the moment, so winning these types of games would really try and boost their confidence It's, as well. it's issue
0: on, on, on Banyu because you don't want to drop one to a side that you potentially meet in finals and whatnot. But there's also, you always see that, that yeah. theory of, of of some that say you want to drop a game somewhere, you don't yeah. want to go into finals with an you know, undefeated record and then you've got you know, everything to lose yeah. and, and whatnot. But th- I mean their form has been outstanding. So it would be interesting uh, how that one plays out. I mean, they've beaten, we've talked about them throughout uh, the last couple of weeks as well. They just keep beating the contenders. We have saw them you know, knock over St. Mary's when they were in form. They've beaten Diamond Creek, who were in good form. Lower plenty early in the year. Altham was under man, but they still won away from home, which is which is never easy against the Panthers. So, they're, um If they win this one, you say, well, they've beaten all the sides. They're potentially going to show in uh, come up against uh, when we get to September. We know it's an extended final series this year as well. So if you get their first spot, you get the week off, you're going to be at least in a preliminary final. So there's plenty at stake when they meet Thomastown this weekend, but to this point, they've just overcome every obstacle. And interesting at the weekend, when you look at... I can go back briefly to their scoreline. They said kick the 31 goals. We know earlier in the year, Jack Langford had a night out when they beat St Mary's. You would have thought he would have uh, you know, kicked a bulk of goals. He only kicked one, but... There were seven goals from Luke Joyce. Uh, we've seen uh, Michael Italia put through six, uh, Mitch Lovell five, Patrick Della Rocca four. So good spread. We've got a, we've had a few players now that have kicked bags in in different games as well. So uh, again, it's similar to we talked about Greensboro earlier in the program. But Banyoles are saying well they've got that spread and versatile players who you know aren't just going to be one dimensional putting forward. They can't move anywhere else if if things aren't working for them. So lot to like about them and uh, yeah, really interesting weekend of, of footy coming up in MC Labour Division 2. Um, in Heidelberg Golf Club Division 3, we've got South Morang still undefeated. Seven wins, zero losses. Might sound strange given the fact you've got a side that's top of the ladder and we will talk to their coach, Gary Hall, uh, later in this program. But as strange as it might sound, I think it's potentially the, the most even premiership or finals race we're going to see because... South Rang, and you've probably even more reason to give them credit. You look at the wins they've had against the sides that are in contention with them, and they've been pretty close games, and, and I think that's why you give them even more credit, because they, they just find a way to win at the weekend. They had the fast start against Heidelberg West, ended up going two goals down in the third quarter, found a way back and recorded probably their best win of the year, 16 points without Jake Potter and, and Matt Truman who was best on ground the week before but I think there's an element of excitement as we progress deeper into the season because when, we, when we've seen these sides play, when it's, you know, Heidelberg West versus Lorimer was a close game um, you know, Kilmore and, well Heidelberg West is probably the bad example because that blew out but Kilmore and Lorimer in round one, really close game. It's it's exciting to see that the, the gap between those sides currently in the top four and also including Old Altham Collegians in fifth, that the Played predominantly really close games, so you you feel that as you get to the, the pointy end of the year when you know games are going to be deciding the top four or the top two, and then eventually in the finals, it doesn't like in in the years have gone by. I mean. We saw last year, or in 2019, I know Lorimer fell over late because of the fact they had 70 injuries, but they and Panton Hill were dominant. The year prior, St. Mary's and, and Panton Hill were dominant, and then the year before that, it was South Ring and Banyul who, who dominated the competition. But this year, even though South Marang 7 and zip, it feels like there's there's greater depth there and, and more sides
1: that can challenge the latter leader. Yeah, definitely. I mean, yes, they're 7-0, but they definitely could have lost some of those games, but it was just their class in the end that were able to get them over the line, which was the main factor of it. But you're right. I mean, you talk about other those teams... You could say with an argument, a good argument I'd say though, that any of those teams could really seriously contend to win a premiership in that division. And that's a good sign for the competition as well overall. And We've spoken about Old Alpham Collegians and how much they've challenged. And they've only been in the competition, There's their second season in the competition. And to see how much they've improved already has been fantastic. But your Kilmores, the Heidelberg Wests, the Lorimers, they've proven time and again so far this season that they're capable and I know it's early on in the season, but it's good signs for all of those teams.
0: Yeah, well, you look at the last two weeks in particular and you say that, um, you know, Lorimer, and, and again, South Southamark, to win them both is, is impressive because they were playing twice, two weeks in a row, the side that was then second on the ladder. Lorimer the week before, they were down the last quarter, came back and beat them, and then they did it, uh, as I said, at Heidelberg Park with without two key players. So I think, um, you yeah, know, not unbeatable, but... At 7-0, you'd have to think now yeah, they're well on their way to a double chance, which is, is vital in the top four competition.
2: Yeah, exactly. And I, I understand that um, it is a close competition, and you have to give these sides credit, the Lorimers and Kilwars and Heidelberg West, but they just I just have to see one of them beat South Morang before I can really put them into premiership calculations because I think at the moment it's just its South Morang's... I don't want to say it's South Morang's to lose. I don't want to put that sort of pressure on them, but... Yeah, uh, unless I see one of those other teams beat South Morang in the regular season, I can't see it happening in finals. Well, could it be this weekend? Because we've got
0: old Altham collegians who, for whatever reason, have always stacked up pretty well against South Morang. They've played three times since 2019 when the Turtles came across. First outing was a draw where South Morang actually keep the point after the siren to, to tie the game. Next time around, old Altham gave them a hiding, won that one by about 70 points. And then earlier this year when they met, final margin doesn't give a, a true indication as to how close that game actually was. It was a, a five-goal win for, for South Rang in the end, but it was an almighty struggle. So it's a side that, for whatever reason, matches up well against them. If you look at Old Altham in their, their most recent games, they pushed Lorimer at the weekend, led Kilmore for a good portion of the game before losing by seven points. The only side they haven't matched up well against was Heidelberg West in round one and I think that's probably you just write that one off from an Old Altham perspective but I think going into this week's game South rang absolutely and deservingly the favourites going in but Old Altham collegians wouldn't uh, wouldn't make the trip and, and think that they're, they're not half a chance to, to get some points and uh and they're probably going to have to because now, looking at the ladder, as as, as gallant as they've been in, in some of those some of those games, they're now two games of percentage outside. They have to start causing some boilovers uh, in order to you know close that gap and potentially play finals at season's end. So it's a it's a game. I think that they'll set their side on and. Again, another really good challenge for for South Morang have already proved their credentials over the, the opening two months of the season.
1: Yep, yeah, and that could definitely win at Old Alfam, if they if they really get that four quarter effort going. I mean their forward line have been very impressive for mine. They've been kicking a lot more goals in the last few weeks and you know improving off that factor in 2019. You've got Fraser Cloney and Matthew Whitaker as your, as your two key forwards for them so far that have kept goals. So um, it's great to see on that point of view if they're able to just continue that trend going for them in the coming weeks. And I'm sure that could continue to surprise maybe a few other teams. Yeah, they've become a real danger side in the
0: competition, no doubt. I guess for them, the frustration has been that the close games they've had haven't mm-hmm. gone their way. And I think that eventually they're going to have to correct that. But... Uh, yeah, you know, at at three and four, um, you know their season is is in. Oh, I guess their fate's in their own hands, but they are going to have to beat the sides above them um, in order to to close the gap. So um, that's a, a look at the things from the the men's uh, football competitions. In the women's, there was a a really vital win for for Darabin. Um, we talked about how that the competition is currently uh, shaped in in Mervac Division One Women's, with um, I guess you know, eleven teams in there and for Darabin, given. Um, they were ranked one of those top four sides. They've been given a pretty tough draw, which uh, for them means they're going to have to win the games against sides near them on the ladder. They had a, a really close loss to, to Diamond Creek women's the week prior, which which would have stung because went down by a point to their oldest rival, but then followed that up. They had to take on Montmorency at the weekend, and that's a, a, it was a vital game. If they dropped that, they were potentially staring at uh, at being, you know, maybe as low as, as eighth on the ladder as it turned out, got a, a vital win. They're now four and three, and... Uh, just outside the cusp of the the top five, so that's a, a vital win uh, for them. But it was also good in um, move Act Division One Women's to to see some of the sides, um, particular Bundura get get a victory that uh, you know were, we're languishing towards the, the bottom of the table. The Bulls um, going over to to Je Moore Park and recording a nine point win over eleven point win. Sorry, sorry I should say over West Preston Lakeside uh, away from home. So it's also good to see the sides. That, uh, have struggled uh, to start the, you just get some yeah, a result that might be able to start something and, and be the catalyst. And one of the other factors that uh, I enjoyed over the weekend was seeing Altham produce a really good win under lights against Heidelberg. They're making it uh, somewhat of a, uh, I guess, a selling point for for, for players to, to play under lights at Altham Central. And they're going to do it again this weekend. They're going to play directly after the senior men's game between Altham uh, and Lowell Plenty. So just it gives a, a point of difference. We've talked about it. Changing time slots, and I know it can cause issues because it can create clashes with other commitments as well. But um, you know, clubs do have to uh, both agree to, to play in the games. But uh, from an Altham perspective, it seems to, to be working really well. So it was good to see them uh, get the win over the weekend and uh, and really creating creating a, a new environment under lights uh, for the players playing at uh, at Altham Central Park. And before we um, close out the program from a netball perspective. We're going to have a chat to the netball manager at North Heidelberg, Angela Norman. Um, She's been pivotal in uh, getting the North Heidelberg program built to to what it is now with seven teams. But it was, you know, we've talked about highly-built games and we always probably tend to look at, at who can push Diamond Creek year on year, and we've seen them win you know, 10 flags in a row. And so I guess it's always going to be a talking point as to eventually when can a side reach their level. We've seen over the past couple of years, sides like... Um, Ivanhoe and, and even North Heidelberg to an extent uh, try and uh, try and challenge them, Fitzroy Stars as well but North Heidelberg won this year looks like the side that you know has the legitimacy about them to be able to push uh, Diamond Creek 1 and at the weekend a 51 piece draw um, early in the season but uh, it, it's good to see that uh, potentially there's going to be some, some real uh, or some real competition for Diamond creek one this this year in, in section one
2: yeah that's such an exciting matchup and 51 a piece in their in their first proper matchup this season it's um yeah it's very exciting for what's to come even you look at the other matchup with Diamond Creek two in north Heidelberg two, only seven goals in that one so uh, it's great to see this little rivalry between those two clubs.
0: Yeah, absolutely and I guess for, for Diamond Creek, we know the, the, the strength of their first team, the second side's just as strong but you, you're right, it's, it's now developing a real rivalry which I guess when we talked about it last week as well, when you've got eight teams in section one coming from, you know, five clubs uh, that you're going to build rivalries between, you know, the North Heidelberg and Diamond Creek when they've got multiple sides in that, that top division. So um, nice to see close games early on, which are only going to, to build that rivalry further. So we'll have a, a chat with Angela Norman in a few moments time, who'll give us just an insight into um, how the program's going at North Heidelberg and, and what they plan on doing to, to tackle that, uh, that Diamond Creek dominance. Our first interview in this week's podcast is with the coach of the South Morang Senior Men's Football Team, Gary Hall. His side sitting top of the Heidelberg Golf Club Division Three ladder. They're seven and zip ahead of what shapes as being a potential danger game against Old Altham Collegians this Saturday. You're listening to the NFNL podcast. Our first guest on the NFL podcast is the coach of South Morang Senior Men's Football side, Gary Hall. Gary, thank you for joining us. Obviously, been a great start for your side to sit top of the third division ladder with uh, seven wins from the opening seven games. Um, what have you made of the the opening two months of the year?
3: It's been a uh, it's a good place to be around at the moment. Everything's uh, kicking along nicely, but uh, as we know, things can change quite quickly. So. Yeah, it's just it's just a good place. To be, yeah, good happy
0: feeling around the place at the minute. On on the weekend, uh, well really the last two weeks, actually, it's, it's as it's turned out. You've you've played the side that's second on the ladder. Two weeks ago, um, you were really challenged by Lorimer, trailed by over a kick early in the last quarter, found a way to to win the game and and, and win it well in the end. A runaway win by by just under four goals, and then. On Saturday, you made a really good start against Heidelberg West. Ended up finding yourself a couple of goals down at uh, midway through that that third quarter, and, and then run away for a sixteen point win. It, it must be really pleasing as a coach that you've got a group that uh, even when they're behind, they can find a way to respond, and and they just seem to have that winning feeling now. Yeah, they,
3: they've um, they've been challenged a few times, but to their credit, they've you know, all year they've really been uh, fighting out the finish and strong. Strong at the end of the game, so you know, as you'd expect with the young, big group. Um, but it's just the you know the mental side of things. Uh, when you get challenged, sometimes you can drop the headband young. But much um, no, to their credit, their, their will to win at the moment is is um, really really good. And yeah, they just um, specially set they uh, to be challenged like like we did, and uh, they really. Come hard in the second quarter, West, and uh, yeah, the boys just knuckled down and and they just find a way to win. Even though sometimes, like the game before, I think Lorma, their uh, standard wasn't real great, um, but they managed to win. So at this time of year, you just take what you can get. What was the
0: message at, at half time Saturday? Because you you started, I think if I'm right, you kicked five of the, the first six goals of the day. You, you had a really good buffer early, and then you go into the sheds at halftime, and and you're a goal down, and all of a sudden you've got you got some work to do. What what's the message to to get the the playing group um, back on track uh, to be able to, to have the second half like you did, where you, where you kept Heidelberg West to just four goals and end up winning by sixteen points. I think most
3: most of the games where we've let the sides back in. It's been just through our errors uh in defence. So you know, the boys sort of know know our plan and when they stray from that we've we've seemed to pay the price every week. So just gotta tidy that up and, and get back to the you know, our structures from the start of the game and uh, when they done that, um yeah, we, we they focused um you know and got back into the game and as I said, they're really strong and, and they play for each other. Um, they're really good friends you know, on and off the field. So they really work well together.
0: I mean, it's it's a significant win because it, it gives you plenty of breathing space at, at the top of the ladder, but, but you also did it with a few experienced players out of the side. Um, I think Jake Potter was a, a laid out and, and Matt Trim, who's been in really good form. We, th- we thought he was best on ground the week prior against Lorimer. Um, he was out of the side as well. Does that make it extra significant given that, that two of the more experienced players weren't there and, and you had an, an even younger side if, if that's somewhat possible?
3: Oh, for sure, because Jake... Jake's a powerhouse. that's an hour forward for us. Uh, you know, anyone that's watched you play a game of football, he's, um, <laughs> he's a bit of a wrecking ball. So he's, uh yeah, that was a big loss, especially against West. They've got some, you know, older big bodies there. Um, but yeah, the as over the last few years, we've been managed to throw a lot of those young blokes and give them the experience. So yeah, that's sort of paid off. There. And a few of the boys have. Really put on a bit of weight over the the off season, missing that season last year. So we didn't really do a lot with them. We just um, just let them do their own thing and sort of just uh, you know naturally put on a little bit of size and uh, they're holding their own now against the men. So um, you know to win a game like that down at West and and still have Jokey and and, and Matty Trim is still coming to the side, the bonus for sure.
0: We talk about how young the side is and there's a host of the players who played in the under-19 premiership in 2019 who have now made their way into senior footy. Some had already played seniors to that point in time as well. But the fact that they've just been part of a winning culture, do you see that as playing an important factor that even now when they come up to senior footy, they're just so used to winning that it's just probably ingrained in them now? It is.
3: It is. It's just... Even you know years back when I was, I was coaching the juniors and all the sides are just they've all been successful sides so yeah they they don't know how to just it's just win at all costs for them that's that's how they they've come up and uh, that's that's just their attitude and just being young they yeah they don't worry about too much I just give them a bit of freedom they just stick to their rules and and the structures and and I let them uh, play their football.
0: I know at the start of the year, I think um, you know you see the preseason predictions going around and whatnot, and I think a lot had you potentially as, as sliding down the table, given you lost a few of the key players from from the year prior in in 2019, and I guess you were just banking on on players coming up uh, from you know the, the 19s and potentially through the reserves as well to to help you take you to the next step. Do you, do you use that as as motivation because it seems like you you've really got a point to prove in, in the opening uh, opening two months of of 2021?
3: Yeah, we've we've built since 2017, really. We after the grand final loss, we, we probably lost 12, 13 out of the senior players. So, you know, the juniors have been so important. And then uh, the, the year after 18, we lost another four or five after the prelim. And yeah, just just getting those younger boys in and giving them experience. Uh, you know, we'd be in all sorts of trouble, I'd hate to think, where we'd be as a club if we didn't have those juniors and the strong program we've got there. So they just come into the side and they've just been fantastic for us. And, and it's, they, we play, on, I think, about 22 points. Each player is their growing now. so And that's, that's how we want to sort of stick to the club. And, and moving forward, uh, these boys will get the opportunity first.
0: With uh, with the way it currently sits, I know you're sitting pretty in first position, but uh, seven wins and, uh, and no losses to this point. There's three sides directly below you who are five and two, but they've all, I guess, um, when you've played against them, there hasn't haven't been easy wins as such. Does it actually give you a bit more confidence knowing that you've had to grind out wins against some of those sides so that potentially when you play them, Later in the year, that when you get to finals, that generally are tough, close games. Does that does that actually give you an extra leg up, knowing that uh, when you've played him in the regular season, you've been able to to grind out victories?
3: Oh, I think so. It's yeah, like, those those top sides there. They're in the four at the moment. Uh, we've all got to play each other three times, so I think it's always a little bit of a mental advantage if you get get the one or two wins over them. And coming into the you know the the winter months, if the conditions, you just don't know what to come up. So you're going to come up against So the uh, winds in the bank early. sort of give you a little bit of a you know just a jump start there, and and you've got a little bit in hand there, which is uh, sort of, it's, I think it's going to help later on in the year for sure. Um, it's a mental thing too. I, I think you just You get a lot of confidence from winning, even when you win ugly. Um, You know you can play a lot better than that, and the boys know they can too. So, yeah, there's a lot of improvements still in in the boys for sure.
0: This weekend you come up against Old Altham Collegians and, and for whatever reason, they've, they've matched up really well against you just in, during their time in, in our league. I, I know first time around in, in 2019, you had a draw and then you were soundly beaten um, in the return fixture. And then earlier this year, even though you got the win, I guess the final score didn't probably indicate how close that game was. So I'd imagine... Uh, to some extent uh, you're probably going to this one knowing that um you you can't afford to to not be on your game because, because you come up up against an opposition who's one played well against you in the past but also is uh, fighting to keep their season alive as well given they're currently in fifth spot
3: yeah i i uh, well, none less than i uh none help them at all they're they're a good side they're a tough side the game's always a really hard contest uh plenty of numbers around the ball, so it's just I'm glad uh, we played their their ground earlier in the year because um, it's a really, really tough ground to play on down there and really hard. So to get away with that win is really good. But, um, yeah, we've got a lot of respect for the Turtles uh, and I know it's going to be a hard game this week.
0: And uh, just one last one. You've got uh, a couple of your, your own boys in the, the sitting side now with uh, Ty and Kane. But but on Ty, obviously, he's been a you know, club best and fairest winner. You know, it was... You know, really unfortunate that he couldn't play in the grand final in, in twenty nineteen with the knee injury, but uh, wouldn't have probably played last year and, and maybe one of the few players who benefited by by the season not going ahead last year, but but his form to to this point of the season's been outstanding. He's regularly amongst the best players and you know, kicking goals from from uh midfield as well. But but how have you seen his form after uh, obviously coming um after a really tough twenty twenty when he had to rehab with that knee injury? Yeah, no, he's he,
3: well, he ran a lot of it. Those boys now they're around the you know 24, 25 years old now, so they've got 60 games, 20 games under their belt. Uh, so you know they're really mature now and, and starting to hit their peak. footballers, he's had a tough old time. In 2017, he, he uh, the first final he had his appendix removed, so uh, he struggled there and. Played in the grand final, but it was only a couple of weeks later after having been done, and then he he hurt his uh, done his shoulder the year after, and then last year missing the grand final with his knee. So yeah, um, two, 2019 was just uh, he he had a lot of injuries. So I think last year was really good for his body, just that time oh, to recover and and uh, yeah, missing one game pretty much with an ACL. <laughs> Um has been, yeah, it's worked wonders for him. He hasn't skipped a, a beat at um, pre-season training. changed trains every night. He's probably come back a little bit stronger this time around. So well, fingers uh... crossed, his body holds up.
0: Yeah, well, I think there's uh, a lot of people who'd uh, wish him uh, good uh, good luck with that because uh, certainly we uh, love seeing him in, in full flight and uh, certainly deserves a, a change in luck, particularly as we get to the pointy end of the year as well. Well, well Gary, uh, we appreciate your time. Again, well done on almost been a, a brilliant start. We're, we're looking forward to seeing what's in store going forward from here. But uh, as I said, really appreciate your time and, and joining us on the podcast. Thanks for having
3: me.
2: At La Trobe University, you'll learn lessons that last your entire professional life. You'll be inspired by thought leaders, change makers and brilliant minds. Teachers who are mentors too. Learn from experts, then become one. Learn the rules, then how to remake them. Discover your path to success and find your dream course at latrobe.edu.au. La Trobe University. All kinds of clever.
0: Our next guest on the NFNOW podcast is the Executive Netball Operations Manager of the North Heidelberg Sporting Club, Angela Norman. Angela, thank you for joining us. Obviously been an exciting start to the campaign for the seven North Heidelberg netball sides in action. Great to see that uh, of those sides, you've got this year um, a record-breaking three sides competing in Section 1, a further two competing in Section 2. Um, It must be, as a club, uh, something you'd be pretty proud of to have five sides competing across... The top two sections of our netball competitions.
4: Thanks for having me, Samuel. Um, yes, it wasn't what we thought was going to happen, but it has, and yeah, it is. It's really exciting. I mean, it hasn't happened before, has it? Three teams in section one. It makes it a bit of a juggling act, but it's um, yeah, it's really exciting.
0: I mean, I'd imagine logistically it can be yeah a pretty tough challenge, uh, given you know you have to obviously manage. That many sides and you have them competing against one another but I guess it's a a real tick to the depth throughout the club and I guess the talent that you've been able to develop within and and also bring into the club as well that um, you ranked as having you know three teams that are are seen to be among the the best eight in our competition.
4: Yeah well as I said it's a juggling act but it's a good problem to have. Um, Yeah we're I mean we're really fortunate that we've got the people on board that we have, the coaches especially, well-connected, really well-respected and liked, and, and people sort of follow them. So, um, yeah, as I said, we, we couldn't be happier. Um, seven teams is a great effort. I, I think you said that um, Bundura are the only one who've got more. That's so, yeah. you know, um, we've always had a good representation in netball, um, always had about five teams, but it just sort of picked up when we got the younger girls on board.
0: And and obviously this year as well. I mean, we've seen Diamond Creek um, dominate the, the section one competition for for well over a decade, really since the inception of of the netball competition in the NFNL, and and they've won the past ten premierships and and one more prior to that run as well. But um, on the on Friday night, um, it was a game. I think it was really you know much anticipated with North Heidelberg 1 coming up against Diamond Creek 1 and then we also saw North Heidelberg 2 up against Diamond Creek 2 so a great rivalry building there but uh, in the, uh, the the game between the two first sides to have a draw I'm sure you would have loved the win but I guess that's real recognition <laughs> now that uh, you can compete and, and probably will be competing against the very best and, and can certainly match them.
4: Yeah yeah absolutely I, I actually was coaching on the court next to it so I was keeping an eye on the score <laughs> and we were actually up by five or so goals at a couple of points in the game. But, and I'm thinking, oh, we, we could have this. But anyway, they caught it back and, um, you know, resulted in a draw, which, as I said, it, it's great to see that, you know, such a close game. And, it's, you know, it's going to really be a tough competition between those two teams for the season.
0: I mean, and, and uh, you talk about the juggling act. I could, I could just imagine what it's like when you've got uh, one eye on on your own team, and obviously you, yourself coaching the twos, and and uh, and having the ones in in the adjoining or uh, adjacent court as well. But how how do you find that is i mean that's a obviously a very different experience to have uh you know two sides competing at one i know that there's there's separate coaches for the two sides but how did you actually find that experience of uh you know keeping an eye on your girls but uh, also peeking across to see uh, the, the one side uh, having a really good tussle against the best in the business well-
4: yeah, yeah, I, w- I was concentrating on my game, but yeah, I could see the scoreboard. So um, I, I really didn't see any of their play. I was just sort of, as I said, glancing at the scoreboard. But yeah, it is. And because, and of course, Sharon coaches the ones and the threes, and they had a clash. So we actually had Kelly Zealy, who's a VNL coach, come in and do our one's that game. So we've got some good backup which is really handy, but um, yeah, it was it's a bit of a as I said juggling act, but we're managing and you know they they're all coming together nicely and as I said to to have people um, with the caliber of Kelly Zilli, I'm, on your side is, is
0: very, very handy. Well, obviously you've mentioned her now, but but Sharon Ashworth as well, who um, is well-known and well-respected right throughout the, the netball community. Um, she's done representative coaching as well throughout the, the Northern Football Netball League and done that to great success as well. But um, I guess for a club to be able to have people that have the the intellect and, and respect that you know people like that have how, how important has that been to to growing the, the club that you have I know you mentioned you've always had quite a number of sides at North Heidelberg but now to have it at a, at a club record seven teams and um, you know having them competing at higher levels how important have those figures been for your club
4: oh, extremely important like it wouldn't be happening without them so and I mean I, I guess that's how it came about um, Sharon as you said representative coach for Banyul Netball Club, um, wanted to put in her under-15s team in Section 2. She wanted them to be challenged. They're only little they are 15-year-olds, 16-year-olds. They're, well, it was pre-COVID, so they were 15 last year. And she just wanted them to be really challenged because they're quite dominant in that area. Um, so, yeah, she was looking to put them in. She couldn't put a team in because they weren't affiliated with a... Um, football club. Um, I'm very good friends with Kelly Zealy. Sharon coaches with Kelly. Kelly mentioned to me that that's what they wanted to do, and I said, uh, "Hello, yes, we'll take you." <laughs> and yes, like I'm like, "What are you doing?" Yes, and so yeah, that's how it came about, and that's really all it was. She just wanted them up against bigger bodies and and to have them challenge. And so we were more than happy to have them on board because you know we've been we've been there since the inception and a lot of our players have hung around for a long time but they get older and you need to inject some youth so that was that was the perfect answer for us
0: and and I know that they're competing, I mean, you say obviously in the lower grade in, from, than Section 1, but Section 2 is still a, a great standard of netball. Um, obviously, I guess I'd imagine from a club perspective, it's it's great to give them exposure to playing against senior players, but I'd also imagine down the track it's a, it's an opportunity for you to, to be able to develop them into becoming players that play in the, in the Section 1 competition with the club if, if everything goes well.
4: Oh, absolutely. And it, like as I said, that was, that was the plan. The one team, one development squad is what we, we call them. Um, and as I said, youth, even the ones team now, is, I think our, our oldest player is 22. So even they're quite young. Um, but those really young ones. And then Simone Jones, who, again, um, started off at North Heidelberg. She moved across to Diamond Creek for a couple of years. And she's a representative coach at Diamond Creek Netball Club. So then she, we brought her across, she came back, and then she had a team, another under fifteenth team. Um, in fact, her and Sharon coached against each other at Parkdale during the week. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we got her on board and she brought another team and then there was a few extra players from Diamond Creek and a few extra extra players from Banyol who wanted to play again, 15-year-olds, so we put them together, which made the third team. So it wasn't what we were planning on like the one team was what we were planning on just to get some youth and and hopefully as you said you know move them up through the ranks as they get a bit older but we've ended up with three teams of kids that are under 17
0: I mean, it's, it's, and it's great to, to see the, the next wave now, now coming through with, with those younger players, but you mentioned how you've been part of the, the competition, the netball competition, really since the inception here, but how important has it been for you to, to have those stalwarts of the club, um, yourself included, I guess, but uh, to, to have them hang around and, and really create that culture now that um, you've established yourselves as, as one of the, you know, the, the stronger sides on the netball court, but not just for, for your on-field performance, but, but how you operate off the courts as well.
4: Yeah, look, they're really, you know, they're just as important as the youth. Like, they're really important to us. Um, We've we've got a lot of loyal netballers who have been around the whole time. So Kylie Yelland, who coaches our Section 17, has played the whole time and she's just retired. So she said, well, I'll coach. And then Gabby menadie who's been around for about five years, she's a player coach. She does the Section 6. So, um, yeah, and there's still a couple of girls who are playing in those sections um, who have been there the whole time so that's important to us and it's actually something we're really proud of because you know people staying around is is important
0: as a club do you ever go into the year and, and set a particular goal that, that you want to achieve across the board or is it is it something that uh, that you have a view on as, a, as you enter any campaign and if so um, did you have any that you, you set out head, heading into the 2021 season
4: Oh well, you always want to win, don't you? So that's the, that's the end goal. But I mean, I think just um, like I've got to say that Warren Hayson, our president, is really um, involved, and he um, he's he's like really embraced having so many netball sides. He's really pleased with that. Um, they they really look after us, and I think I think that's part of keeping people around. You know, you you look after them, and they'll they'll want to come back. We've had a number of players who have gone somewhere else, you know, give them a clearance, wish them well, and, and they've come back. So I think that that says a lot about the club. Um, we've also had, prior to me, Tony Gray, who, um, again, was there at the inception and um, has done a lot of work over the last 10 years. So, um, and she's another person that people just love to be around. So, you know, we've been lucky. We've had really good people at the club and, and keep getting good people coming to the club.
0: Well, uh, again, from from our end, uh, congratulations on getting the club to to where you are now and turning into a real power on the on the netball front as well. Um, it's a it's an amazing achievement to have, as we said, that many sides competing in the in the top two sections of of the, what we deem to be a really strong competition. So, congratulations on that. I'm sure there's um, some some great success to be had going forward. So, all the best for the 2021 season, and we'll certainly track your progress with uh, uh, with uh, plenty of excitement. It's it's um,
4: shaping up to be a really exciting really exciting season. We're, we're looking forward to it.
0: Well, Angela, thank you for your time and uh, really appreciate, appreciate you joining us on the NFNL podcast.
4: No problem, Samuel. Thanks for having me.